If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And welcome to another episode of Grounded, the place where you can find out all about your favorite plants, your garden, and what you should be doing at this time of the year. And uh, it is a lovely time. We're in February at the moment. February is, I think, probably my favorite month of the year when it comes to the garden. Maybe not all that much in the way of exciting plants and kind of color happening, although I know that the Pride of India is looking fantastic as always, which is great. It's a nice kind of quiet, somnolent time with gentle colors, none of the brightness of spring. And of course, we haven't had cold weather. So it's a divine time with all the evergreen trees and looking so great. But to tell us about what we should be looking at, what we could be looking at and what is coming up in the future when it comes to the most desirable plants, we have Kathy Varney of Ball Start Off. And thanks for joining us again. Thank you for having me, Mel. Okay, so what have you been doing? We haven't spoken really since before lockdown. Yeah, it's been a very long time. It's all a bit of a blur. <laughs> and one of the problems I know that they had, I don't know so much here, but definitely overseas, was that a lot of the growers ended up having to throw away so much stock of plants, of bulbs or whatever, because they couldn't get them to garden centers. And there was one case of, of somebody losing kind of like about 800,000 pounds worth of plants. Did you have that problem here in South Africa? Uh, yes, Mel, we did. It was all quite crazy around the world. So basically for us, we're at the beginning of the plant chain, if you call it that, and we're producing the very young seedlings. So we actually did a very good job of holding the plants because obviously they keep growing. Uh, we just couldn't take them anywhere. And we held quite a lot of them, but it was a combination. Some of them, they just they got too big or root bound or something in the trays. And you also had a lot of cancellations. A lot of growers were sitting on their stock and everything as well. So, yes, we threw, I don't want to tell you how much money's worth of plants away, um, which was obviously very, very sad. And around the world and, you know, the Finnish growers, everyone, they had to throw away these plants that they couldn't get to garden centers. But then there's always like a silver lining. So what happens suddenly is you've got all these people staying at home and they can't go on holiday, but... They may have some extra money to spend. Maybe just all the time they've spent at home, they've realized how ugly their surroundings are. And gardening boomed. So in Europe, it went insane in America. And then it actually happened here as well, which is fantastic. Then it came with more problems as well. Suddenly, everyone's running out of stock. Mm. So overseas, obviously, you may be bringing in some seed. If all the seed runs out... Seed is complicated. You've got to wait till the next year, till the next harvest, and there's only so much that was planned. So it's been a bit of an interesting time that we're still feeling the effects of. You're still going to see shortages of certain things on the market for a while. And, you know, if things are coming from overseas as well, there are flight issues. Things are getting lost in England because since Brexit, it's the Bermuda Triangle, it would seem. So, yeah, it's, it's all a very interesting, interesting time for everyone. But I'm just so thrilled that gardening has boomed as it has. And I hope it continues. And what we keep saying is you've got a new generation of gardeners who've now started and we need to make sure we keep them and keep them interested. Well, I think the new generation, though, don't really have gardens that they can, can experiment in. So it's a lot of the in-the-house kind of planting stuff that's happening. Have you found that you've been getting more of a demand for indoor plants? 
Uh, yes, that's also taken off around the world before lockdown as well. It was also called the millennials. It's the plant babies. Mm. Uh, so there's definitely been more demand and more breeding going into it and your unique kind of indoor house plants. A lot of them cross over. They can be indoor or outdoor. A lot of the outdoor ones are you never thought could be indoor. People are trying them now and it's actually working out quite well. So that's definitely happening. The trend for container and patio gardening, that's still going. And yeah, I mean, the new generation of gardeners could be someone with a garden. It doesn't mean they're a young generation. It's just someone who maybe never gardened before. And again, there's been some magic in lockdown and magic in all this craziness where we find ourselves spending time on our houses, on our families and on our gardens. So, Well, a lot of us only got into gardening around the age of 40. <laughs> so I suppose, yes, you're quite right. And it might be people who have an established home or moving into their first home with a garden and they don't know what to do about it. Now, over the years, one thing that I've always looked forward to of course, is when you have your big festival where you show all the latest plant varieties. Obviously, didn't have it last year, did you? No. So every year throughout the year, I'm trialing. And basically, it's new products that are coming that I might be able to release next year, or it might be three years away, who knows. So I trial those plants to try and see how do they look? Is it what they say on the box? How's it going to do in the garden? All of that. So, And then obviously, as you know, in November, I, I have a big show where we're actually showing it to the growers, see their interests, get the feedback and just show them what's coming. But because it's so pretty, we then open it up to the public because it's gorgeous. So last year I did trial on a very small scale. So mm. I got to see the plants and I know what's coming. But no, we didn't have the trials. There were actually two reasons for that. The one was it's would have been irresponsible to have lots of people around to come mm. look at pretty flowers. The other is we've actually moved our production facility. My gorgeous trial house that was always the main event mm. is actually not where the gardens are anymore. So I've got to be creative now in how I'm going to show it. So this year the plan is to have trials. It's just going to be very different. So I need to warn the people who used to come and walk into that trial house and catch their breath that it will be a little bit different, but uh, it still won't disappoint. Well, we could always do a kind of a live walk around and, and put it out on one of the video platforms as well. We could do that. We could do all sorts of things. We're going to get very creative this year. Now, I know that uh, a couple of years ago, Lightning Sky came out, the petunia, and everybody was first of all blown away by the starry night one, night yeah. sky. But the varieties that came through, and I was never a petunia lover. Yes. They, they would say, oh, we want to do some pictures with you and we want these pretty ones with petunias. I'm like, why are you using annuals? Me and annuals, we just don't go well together. So I'm always looking at perennials. But then there are those plants that come along that are just absolutely stunning and, and you can't help but love them. Now, that year, there was also a beautiful bronze-colored big leaf plant and they came out in a bronzy color. And you, oh, doesn't get flowers. Now my brain's gone for a loop, but this is okay because I'm blonde. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed in the last year have been kind of the, the plants that you might have trialed the year before and said, right, we're going to put it out, that people have been swooning over? Well, I don't know if you remember last year we had the, it was called Senecio Angel Wings, and that was silver. I don't know if it's the mm. one you're talking about, but it's almost… No, oh, no, I was talking about one of the coleuses, the bronze oh, coleus. Yes, yes, I got you. No, so the Senecio, it, it, that one… I'm saying last year, what was 2019, <laughs> we do our, our flag test where we get people to put a flag in and vote for their favorite. And often, as I've said to you before, the grower's favorite is often different to the public's favorite. So it's always interesting to see. And that year, Senecio won hands down with the public, with the staff, with the growers, with the world. Mm. 
And that's one of those kinds of plants that we've struggled to keep up. You can only produce so many plants and it's so in demand. And it is beautiful. It's silver, almost fluffy. You want to touch it. Mm. And I think often plants, it's, it's nice that it's good for the eyes in terms of the senses, but they can actually appeal to so many other senses too. So yeah, you just want to go up and touch it. It grows into quite a monster if you give it good care. And that one's definitely out there and become very popular. And again, outdoor plant, that you could use indoors and mm. it might not live forever indoors, but it's going to live for long enough that you're going to really enjoy it. And what else, what can we expect coming up? So obviously there are still some spotty stripey petunias. Those will keep coming. So this year to join Night Sky and Baby Doll and Lightning Sky, we've got one called Circus Sky and it's a little bit different. Also a pinky with um, spots and stripes, but almost a glow to it. It's, it's quite hard to explain, mm -hmm. but yeah. So on the petunias, that one's new. And then another one that was popular in trials and will be on the market now are the beauty curls. Maybe you'll like them because technically they're not a petunia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're called pechoa. So it's basically a cross between a petunia and a calabrocoa. And the reason this is special is it's got better weather tolerance. So mm -hmm. when it rains, they do better than your petunias that normally go off in the rain. But they're also... They're kind of antique type colors, but not so antique that it's boring. It's it's really nice shades. So mm -hmm. those are also going to be out there. And the, the flower itself is it slightly smaller than the petunia, but b bigger than the calibrocha? Yes, it's it's more of a petunia type flower, but it's not a massive petunia flower, and it's full of flowers. So that one's fantastic. Then I remember you liked the strawberries, the one year. So we had the yeah, the ones with the um, what was it, the, the red flowers? Yes, so. Those strawberries have all been bred to be pretty as well as tasty, but also, again, your patio gardening, all of that. So that year, I think we had a double flower, and now we've got one with really pretty white flowers, but they're also double flowers, mm -hmm. so that's really good and coming along. Strawberries are a big thing for people. They love People love growing them. I mean, we get a lot of questions from the public about what is the best time to plant the strawberries and what do you do with the runners and can I propagate from them? I mean, it's it's one of those things that people are really – kind of into, now when it comes to propagation of these plants, I know a lot of them have got breeders' rights and you're not actually supposed to grow them on yourself. But what, I mean, if people do do their own slips and give it to a friend, I mean, what is the legal kind of ramification around that? Because people like propagating their own plants. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't want to get in trouble with the industry for this, but look, there are certain plants that are protected by PBRs and you can't self-propagate or mass-propagate. Mm. Having said that, Mal, if you go take a cutting and give it to your neighbor, I'm not going to know about it and uh, probably not going to come and see you. So I don't think it's about discouraging people from loving gardening and sharing plants. I think that's an important thing that people should mm. always do. I think it's more about the trade, let's say, the, the industry behind it. That's yeah. when people are protecting plants. And the main reason you do it is also if someone spent a lot of time breeding something special, they've got to get their reward in the end as well so that you may put a royalty on it and protect mm. it just to make sure that, you know, it wasn't all done for nothing. So the other thing that sometimes happens as well is if it's a hybrid and it's been bred to do a certain something, whether it's for seed or cuttings, it might produce seed mm. and then you grow it. It might not grow the way the original one did. So it's not true to type is what we would say. Mm. But yeah. But no. you were talking about food there and uh, the, the strawberries, but that was the other thing that has happened now in the world is food gardening. So veggies, herbs, that was always growing, but now it is explosive. Gone on steroids. Yeah. And then, yeah, any food gardening. So the other thing, but now I'm, I'm teasing you guys here. 
I've got something that is probably my most exciting introduction. Mm -hmm. And it's my introduction this year, but it means all you lovely listeners only get to see it next year. Oh, I hate it when you do this, Tuss, and I'm going to have lots of people saying, where can I get this? And it's yeah. like, you know, I want to grow tomatoes in the middle of winter. No, sorry, you can't. If you had to tell me that you're coming up with a winter flowering tomato, I'd be very excited. Oh, but what is I'll it that you have this. now? No, so as I say, berries, food, everything. So we've got some new blueberries. I'm starting off with two varieties. And why are they special? To me, they're special because... They're bred to be container patio gardening blueberries. So it's not one crazy bush that's going to go mm. insane. It's for a container. It produces amazing berries, but it's also decorative. So the foliage changes through the seasons. Mm. So it's got a pinky hue or a peach type hue. The one's called pink icing. The one's called peach sorbet. And they're really going to be fantastic. I've seen these plants and they're wonderful. The problem is blueberries take a while. So while I might sell it to some growers this year, you're going to see them next year. And talking, I mean, there is a, a, a huge thing for people wanting to grow blueberries. But for me, I must admit that I still just go and buy them from the local grocery store because they do take a long time. Yeah. Not just to kind of produce fruit, but also like getting to the stage where you can grow them. I mean, people saying, oh, my plant's two years old and I haven't had any berries yet. And I'm like, well, certain plants take up to three years before they actually put out fruit. And then a lot of the time there isn't a lot of fruit on it. So you sit and you think, well... I'm spending like over 150 rand to get like seven blueberries. <laughs> yes. Well, how much are you spending to go buy your blueberries all the time as well? I guess that's the question. Uh, but that's why this is nice because it is decorative as well. Mm -hmm. it's a, there's a third one coming down the line. That one would be like a hedging. So if you can imagine your box type hedging, but now it's going to produce fruit. All now of these are like supposed the to be big fruit producers. Obviously, you've got to give it the food it needs. I'm not going to claim to know exactly what that is at this point. <laughs> but yeah, they would be flowering. So the whole idea is they, they've got the pretty foliage, then they've got the pretty flowers that come in spring, and then you get your fruits as well. So, And you can have it if you live in a flat and you've got a balcony, you can grow your own blueberries, and that's special because normally you needed a lot more space. But you have also, over the years, come up with all of these miniature varieties of certain veggies and things that would go very well in pots and don't get huge because a lot of stuff you need a huge amount of space to grow it. So is there always a kind of a push to try and find that little plant that will actually do well in a small space rather than, I mean, I immediately think butternuts, which just go all over the place. Yeah, it's a complicated one. Obviously, butternuts do go all over the place. And then we've got these new ones that produce your little fruits and they're very mm. cute and they need less space, but I don't think we've quite got one yet that's going to fit in a pot on your windowsill. But they are actually doing quite a lot of breeding into, well, there's this one program that I'm working on called Kitchen Minis, where you can grow your tomatoes inside your kitchen. Because now we're talking about people with balconies, but there are people who don't have any outdoor mm. space, but maybe they do want to grow their own. So you can harvest your tomatoes from your kitchen windowsill. And uh, I actually saw that it's, it's far down the line, but they're working on a cucumber. So can you imagine harvesting little cucumbers as you need them when you're making your salad? So I think they're doing this breeding because there's a demand for it. But you can't forget that you still need the big ones for the big gardens as well. Mm. So there's a combination going on. Oh, there's a, what are they called? The curcumin? Little curcubits. Yeah, those, those tiny, those tiny little, ones. They taste like cucumbers, but they're actually more like a berry shape almost. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. I mean, people think, oh, you know, 
breeding plants. It's just like they just take some pollen from this and put it onto the other. But it's it's a lot more uh, that goes into it to actually create things that will appeal. And it's always been, for me, some kind of sorcery. Yeah. How do you make that plant have like heart shapes on it? How do you get spotty ones on that? I mean, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I mean, there's a lot of science that goes into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I think sometimes they're just lucky. Uh, maybe a bee flew from one plant to the other plant because a lot of them are they're using bees in their greenhouses and just seeing what happens kind of thing and i think sometimes oh my goodness this petunia is spotty but hey it's different so let's let's take that and and make it happen uh, but there is a lot of breeding. It, it is fascinating. You know, last, not last year, the year before, we were so excited about the impatience that mm. were re-released because they were highly resistant to the downy mildew. And for us, that was massive. And I've got to say, I'm still so happy because yesterday I was driving through a neighborhood and this, this pavement, these people obviously take massive pride in their garden. But the whole pavement's in the shade, just full of color. And those impatience are fine. And after all this mm. rain and that breeding was fascinating because it's actually bred into the DNA of the plant to make sure it's, it's going to be immunized, let's say, against the downy mildew. So it's, it's a fascinating. I wish that maybe I'd done better in science when I was at school. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'd have a problem doing all of those things. As I said, for me, it's like it's alchemy. Yeah. There's something that's going on there. It's kind of quite... Uh, What's the word for it? It's out there with the pixies for me, quite frankly. Yeah. I, I look at this and I'm just like, how do you make something like, just we take a rose, for instance, how do you make it smell like coffee? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, it is all fascinating. And uh, I, I wish I could learn how to do it. And then I could tell you exactly mm. how this alchemy works. But yeah, no, it's very, very cool. It's always, uh, I always feel the need to mention because you get some people who might get funny about it. There is a very big difference between breeding plants and hybrids and GMOs because I know out there sometimes there's some arguments and they're going, oh, this isn't natural. Well, I've not heard of any genetically modified flowers out there. So I think we're okay for now. So you're not going to have one that has got some octopus DNA in it yeah. and suddenly going to start strangling all your other plants. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to cross a marigold with a... With a sheep, so it's got extra fluffy flowers. <laughs> we mustn't joke, that might happen. Okay. Now, people love petunias and people love impatience. Now, once the impatience were no longer on the market but because of the downy mildew issue that happened a few years back, what did people go for and what has actually stayed kind of one of the more special plants, the one that people were using instead of it and have stayed with instead of going back to buying impatience? So obviously you got your different kinds of impatience. So the New Guineas or interspecific impatience, so your sun patients mm. are a good example. So they're actually a different species in a way, so they weren't susceptible. So those took their place quite a lot. They do act differently, and uh, the sun patients are obviously sun or shade. So things like that I think are still now strong out there and people are using them. People also used begonias quite a bit, but it didn't fully replace it. And when we've had discussions with growers and gardeners, they all said, you know, begonias are great and they've still got their place and definitely got their place. But they were always there as well. And the impatience, I have noticed that people are actually going back to them because of that sheer flower power in the shade. Mm. But the begonias, I think, again, it was a good exercise because you've got those really big begonias, like your dragonwing type or begonia big and everyone's always like, where's the white? And there was never a white. And actually this year, that's another new release. You get Begonia Big White. So they, they definitely have their place and they, they did different kinds of begonias now as well. So they definitely came in. And as I say, the sun patience. But in terms of color for the shade, I think it was pretty much those two. There were a few other things people would try, but weren't quite 
cutting the mustard, as we'd say. Yeah. yeah. So is your focus mainly on annuals or on perennials, or is it a mixture of both? Uh, so these days it's a mixture of a million things. So, I mean, we started off very much as the, the bedding plant color type company, and we still very much are lots of things propagated from seed. And then we do a large vegetative range, so things propagated from cuttings. And it's funny, in this country, it, it would drive the Europeans crazy, but often people refer to perennial petunias or the perennial pelagoniums. And it's because, they, because they're from cuttings, they're almost stronger plants, and mm. they do act perennial in this country, some of them. They get tired, but not, not all of them. I've got some pelagoniums that have been going for quite some time. Yeah, I've always thought of pelagoniums as being perennial. I've yeah. never even thought of it as even being on the annual spectrum at all. Yeah. But we also do other perennials as well, like your proper true perennials. There are some that just don't work in this country where we've tried, but it needs a cold period or something mm. like that. So they save that for the Northern Hemisphere. But we're doing a bigger range of perennials now and we've actually got something. It's my other baby. Uh, we call it the TC program. Mm. So it's uh, all the plants we're propagating from tissue culture. And within that... We're bringing in some hostas, which is really good because I think lately I've seen people asking about hostas and finally we've got more of them. Mm. But also a lot of the indoor plants and your philodendrons and your your delicious monster with holes in it and later on a variegated one. All those things you were saying where they're starting off with the house plants. So we're doing indoor plants, perennials, vegetables, herbs, cut flowers and uh, and your color. What do you like the best? What do I like the best? <laughs> kind a of a, question. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think everybody has to have a favorite. My kids actually asked me, what is your favorite flower? And I'm like, why are you even asking me that? You should know by now it's always going to be an agapanthus. Yeah, it's a good question you ask me because it's one of those where I'm like, no, I can't answer that because my job is largely looking at so many different plants and mm. deciding which ones are great. But I'm actually quite a simple creature. I've always been a bit of a sucker for daisies. So I think if you give me an osteospermum, I'm happy. When I was younger, I would have said a sunflower. And, and now I just, I do love the osteos. I love a simple daisy flower and we've got great double osteos and I'm still, I like the simple single osteo daisy flower. There's nothing better actually for me than seeing blocks of osteos in different, so you have one block in purple and next to it you have another block of yellow. But yeah. I like to see them planted en masse and like big blocks of it to create that wonderful kind of, Wow, that's that special kind of vibe yeah. that goes with them. Because osteos, I mean, indigenous, yep. hardy, water-wise, what's not to love? And they keep coming back. And they're happy. I, I, I don't know how to <laughs> explain that. You think of a daisy and childhood and little flower behind the ear. They're just, they're just happy, pretty, lovely flowers. So, yes, and uh, again, you know, you've got uh, new, new ones coming through all the time with your special colors, better heat tolerance, so at least they can go a bit more into the season. And maybe I also love them so much because they mean spring. So you love February, but I'm very much a spring girl. So when you see all the osteos out there, you, you know that it's the start of spring. Okay, so we're going to go back to February because we're in February at the moment. What performs best at this time of the year? Look, I was actually uh, walking around our gardens uh well, this morning, but every day. And uh, I got to say, at the moment, the salvias in our garden are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And when I say salvias, I'm not really talking the salvia splendens type, but more oh, mystic spires and, and misty. And there's new ones called salmia, red roman, purple and bloom, black and bloom. And I'm saying all these names because they're all in the garden at the moment. Mm -hmm. And they're all different types, so to speak, but they're, they're big plants. They are covered in flowers. To be honest, I don't know when last I saw them without flowers. Maybe 
in the the coldest, darkest part of winter and lockdown. But they're phenomenal. And I actually, I have a beautiful photo that I will show you with massive butterflies. The bees and the butterflies love them. So mm. I cannot emphasize the the oh, magnificence of yeah. salvias enough. I think they're seriously underrated. So they're doing really well at the moment. Uh, the echinaceas have finally gone off, but they were actually flowering really mm. impressively as well. Yeah, I mean, if we didn't have all the rain... The petunias were actually doing pretty well too, but now all this rain, uh, they're not so happy either. Yeah, no, we have been having quite a lot of it, and that causes its own problems in the garden as well. One thing I have noticed, though, is a proliferation of orange because, of course, your summer flowering aloes are coming through. The dahlias, I've, I've only got orange dahlias in my garden, and they are just looking absolutely magnificent. So there's a whole bunch of, wherever I drive, the marigolds coming out, lots of orange flowers. Do you find that sometimes that in the garden certain color plants come out first before the others? You know, I don't think I'd thought about it very uh, closely until you just asked me that. But yeah, you do notice like it changes and, and that's quite nice. It's almost like when you were asking about perennials where the one comes in flower and then as it goes out, a different one comes mm. in flower. So it's constantly changing. So there's some colors. I think it's also, as you say, the nature of the season, a lot of orange plants at the moment. I agree, though, the dahlias, the dahlias in our gardens that work are also phenomenal. And again, lots of new varieties there for everyone this year. And they just non-stop flowering. Because there are two different types of dahlia as well, the ones that you would grow in, so the small ones in a pot, or the ones that you'd grow from a tuber. So it, it always used to be that you do your dahlias from bulbs and tubers, and actually we get them from cuttings. Mm. So they're different varieties now. And again, from the last trials, you might remember we had the Dreamy series, which have more single and darker foliage and single flowers as well as double flowers. And nice contrasting colors on the flowers. And then you've got the delayers, which are also very similar. And the things with these dahlias is you can buy them in a pot at a garden center. They'll be ready. You plant them, they're good. They do stay. So come winter and you chop them back, they will come back. The whole garden is covered in dahlias from trials two years ago. Mm. And they also more controlled. So they're not going to be like suddenly one massively tall dahlia in between your bed of lower plants and it looks funny. They are actually... Quite a good size, quite manageable. Okay, now we're going to be heading into winter, unfortunately, hopefully not into another big lockdown, but we're definitely going to go into winter. And the one question I get a lot, actually I get a lot of questions a lot, but this is one question I do get a lot, is what can I plant to bring color into my garden in winter? So I am a very big fan of violas, more than pansies. Uh, The reason I say that is your sheer flower power. So In South Africa, I think people prefer pansies. People like big, and Mm. you get your big flowers on the pansies, and they're impressive. But the violas are covered in flowers, and they also got such a beautiful color range. So you you can do your white or your yellow or your yellow blotch, but often you can get like a pink and white or a blue and yellow and, you know, different colors and play with them. So I am always a viola fan. And they taste so good. Yes, exactly. My my children have now learned that you can eat violas and they well, I I don't see the violas in my garden anymore because they make viola salad. So and they don't eat the whole thing, of course. Uh and then yeah, obviously you get your things like primulas for colour and again your malacoides, that's almost like your your impatience where you've mm. got a shadier spot in winter you're gonna put your malacoides as well. So there's a lot of colour to be had any season of the year. Yeah, and also what's actually making a bit more of a comeback here now, which you'd see lots in Europe, is uh, ornamental kale. 
And the reason yeah, I'm mentioning it. I did see that. That's one of the big 10, like what you go and you have a look and say, the trends for 2021 gardening wise and ornamental kale. Yeah. And the, the like ornamental cabbages as well. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, why? Why would you want an ornamental kale? Why would you want kale anyway? But anyways, <laughs> it's a it's a funny thing. We've actually been we've been selling ornamental kale for years. Mm. It's kind of like bellus. Uh, those things are your cool season crops, as we'd call them. But there were never huge sales. It's just it's more of a I don't know northern hemisphere type thing. And then I actually tried some new ornamental kale a while back, and I was kind of like you. I'm not sure if people want cabbages in their garden, but they. So beautiful. Mm. I put them in my garden at home and this one was like a white fringe type leaf. And it really just survived no matter how cold and last winter was cold. Mm. And it was just really pretty. So I think it's maybe nice to complement your flowers with your, your ornamental kale. But things like that and bellus are also, they're making a bit of a comeback. Okay, so we're looking at miniature vegetables, lots of color and keeping all of our growers going as well, I think, is like the main thing. The more we buy, the more you can actually produce. But if you can't get something at your local garden centre, it's not because the garden centre is letting you down. It's not because people like Kathy are letting you down. It's purely because of the lockdown and not being able to get the plants or the seed from overseas or wherever it's coming from. Yeah, and uh, and massive demand. So there are a lot of things that I mean, it's a good problem for everyone to have right now. They're just selling out. So you might land up, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe they're going to try other plants now because, I don't know, all the alisum has sold out. Mm. So let's buy something else. So they're definitely going to be plants out there. Those will never stop. It's just keeping up with the demand and the, yeah, the logistics in some instances. Well, I'm very glad that uh, there has been this swing because I think everybody was at one stage really kind of worried that people weren't going to actually continue. But gardening, so good for the soul. And I'm so glad that we have people like you who are making sure that we have a lot of stuff to come up. But just remember, no, you can't have tomatoes in winter <laughs> until Kathy comes up with something brilliant. But thank you very much. I hope that the gardening industry goes from strength to strength, and I have no doubt that it will. Keep us, if you have any wonderful new ones coming through, please send pictures and we'll put them up all over the place. All right, definitely will. Thank you so much, Kathy. And of course, uh, if you want to find out more, you can get along to the website, which is www.ballstartoff.ca.za. And they also have a lot of very interesting information on the site about anything and everything when it comes to fertilizers, composts. I've seen all of those things on there for mm. bugs in your garden. I think that's uh, possibly the other website, the Kershaw's website. But yeah, if you contact us, we'll answer any of your questions. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. And of course, get out into your garden. Go buy some plants. Make yourself happy. Go and find something that really talks to you and spread it amongst all the rest of the friends. Don't propagate it yourself. Tell them this is a good one to have. Go and get it. Until we speak again, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.